And now, streaming live from Chicago, Illinois, it's the comedy show with a podcasting habit, Starlight Radio Dream! Tonight's episode is Season 5, Episode 12, The Nothing to Do with the Holidays Show, featuring Rip Van Winkle's Deals and Dinkles, The Invisible Detective, The Reveal, Samuel Spruce and the Frosty Wood, and me, my elf, and I. Now, here is your host, the man who puts the tinsel in Tinseltown, Burlington Showtime! <laughs> Wonderful to see you all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Ah, greetings to all of you from near and far. Welcome. I am indeed Burlington Showtime, your host with the most anxiety about what's about to happen tonight. Don't get me wrong, we've got an amazing lineup of comedy shorts for your general bemusement and hopefully referential social media posting. Worry not that as a podcast, we are on the Forbes top 10 list of least Instagrammable of, uh, events to attend this season. We have an ace up our sleeves, as you were all recently voted the most attractive audience of all time by our office staff. We invite you to prove us right by composing yourself to prove that it is possible to enjoy our live show wherever you are. Am I stalling? Yes. Am I pleased with myself for correctly using the word selfie in a sentence? Also, yes. What's that? I'm being told that I used it almost correctly. Well, it's the best I'm likely to manage, so a drink for me in celebration anyway. Now, back to the source of my concern. Friends, I don't mind telling you that as an older millennial of the last millennium, I have an especially soft spot for the days that get special names on the calendar. At time of taping, we are roughly in the eye of the storm that is the end of the year, and I have been challenged by the crew and threatened by the producer that I am not, under any circumstances, allowed to make reference to the, um, fall of days upcoming and recently past. Whew! Ah, saved it. Now, I just may make it through this show after all. Certainly helping is that we have way too much material for you tonight, and since January's show is a full-length musical, we've got to just use these puppies before they hit their sell-by dates. So, without further ado, please adjust your earbuds, tell your siblings to text you later, and get comfortable enough to sleep for several decades, because we've got an offer for you from Rip Van Winkle's Deals and Dinkles! Salutations, every persons! Rip Van Winkle's the name, Deals and Dinkle's the game. My name's Rip. My name's Judith. And we're offering deals so incredible... You'll fall asleep for 20 years and reawaken in a post-revolutionary world unlike any you could have imagined. Now, Judith... Yes, Papa? I think I speak for everyone when I say the world is a strange and frightening place. That it is, Papa. That it is. And in such uncertain times, I think we'd all like to find comfort and security, however we might. That's right, Papa. And today you can with our Friday special sale item, the Rip Van Blanket. 
Now, Papa, is this the very blanket you used to shield yourself from the elements when you were asleep for 20 years, spared from the horrors of war by the ghostly men of ancient past who haunt the northern hills? The very blanket, Judith. The very blanket. And this piece of historic memorabilia can be yours today for just $79.95. I'm sorry, I must have read that wrong. Does that say $79.95? Sadly, my eyesight is failing due to what, from my perspective, seems like premature aging. Well, I cannot believe it. I don't know how we can even afford such a deal. Folks, we're gonna have to put a time limit on this one just two minutes and 30 seconds before this item goes off the market. Only seven remaining. That's right, only seven left. Act now or miss out forever on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Now, Papa, I'm noticing some grass stains here, a little dampness. Did you drool on this blanket while you were asleep in the hills for 20 years? Your family wondering without respite just what had happened to their patriarch? I very much did, Judith. Wow. Incredible. You heard it here first, folks. Genuine Van Winkle saliva can be found on this priceless, one-of-a-kind item, the byproduct of two decades of accidental familial neglect. We have only three more left in stock. Act now or forever. Oh, I'm being told we are now sold out. Sold out? That's right, Papa. This priceless, one-of-a-kind treasure is now sold out. Let's move on to our next item. Now, I am extremely excited about this item, aren't you, Papa? I'm not entirely sure what's happening right now. The shock of awakening from a pleasant dream only to find that I have traversed from early maturity into old age, my wife dying and my friends abandoning me in the interim has rendered me prematurely infirm and lost in a perpetual haze of confusion. Excellent point, Papa. Up next for sale, we have a dream Rip Van Winkle had while he was sleeping up in the hills for 20 years. Now, Papa, why don't you tell us a little about this first dream for sale? Well, Judith, I dreamt I was playing with my cup and ball game. Except every time I got the ball in the cup, it would say Sarsaparilla very quietly. Fascinating. Whatever could it have meant? I think it was just talking about sarsaparilla. This very special, very one-of-a-kind item can be yours for only $75,013.88. What a bargain! And now, we'd like to bring in our special guest to discuss this amazing product, Mr. Jonathan Doolittle, proprietor of the Union Hotel. Welcome, Mr. Doolittle. Uh, hello. Tell us, Mr. Doolittle, when Rip Van Winkle was sleeping in your establishment, could you ever have imagined he might dream up something of this quality? Well, the Union Inn was founded during the 20-year period Mr. Van Winkle was missing up in the mountains, so he never actually patronized my establishment. My best friend was a wombat named Timothy. 
a, a what? Worry not, Mr. Doolittle. With a little luck, Rip Van Winkle's deals and dinkles will raise the money we need to retire Papa to a lovely farm in sunny California. Where the buffalo roam! Tell us, Mr. Doolittle, how much would you pay to be the sole owner of Rip Van Winkle Dream number 00001? To uh, own? How do you own a dream? By picking up the phone and dialing 1-900-VAN-WINK, Mr. Doolittle. No, I mean, what are the physical properties of this product? How do you own it? Excellent question, Mr. Doolittle. The lucky owner of this one-of-a-kind treasure will be given a receipt of purchase, guaranteeing for all to see that they are the legal owner of Mr. Rip Van Winkle's dream about playing cup and ball with a special cup and ball that says, Sarsaparilla! Very quietly, every time you get the ball in the cup. That doesn't sound... It doesn't sound very secure, does it? Well, that too, but... No need to worry, Mr. Doolittle. We used to make paper mache dinosaurs. What now? We take the receipt of purchase and place it inside a special wooden block. Then wrap the block in a chain and lock it shut. So no one will be able to steal your receipt of purchase. Okay. You sound skeptical, Mr. Doolittle. I expect I sound many things. They may be an ice cream cone shaped exactly like your mother. Is he okay? I assure you, Mr. Doolittle, this block and chain is of the highest quality imaginable. Every single block of wood is made out of the finest available lumber taken from the deracination of an entire forest. What? Deracination. It means to pull out by the root. That is not the reason I said what? You're worried about the chain, aren't you? Worried doesn't quite encompass- The chain is of equally pristine quality, Mr. Doolittle. Each link of the chain is forged from the finest quality iron ore, refined from the total hollowing out of an entire mountain. One mountain for every link in the chain? As I said, Mr. Doolittle, this block and chain is of the highest, most secure quality. All for a receipt for a dream. How do you own a dream? For only 7501388, Mr. Doolittle, that's how. Plus, we bury the block and chain up in the hills where nobody can get at it. Making it totally non-fungible. Why? Because non-fungible properties are more secure from theft, Mr. Doolittle. That's not the reason I said why! I'm sure our friends at home will agree that non-fungible properties are the future of private consumption. So much more personal and secure than fungible properties. And fun to say. Fungible, one might say. Stop saying fungible! Your mother loved to say fungible. Whatever happened to her? She died of grief. Didn't old Mrs. Van Winkle fall down some stairs? No, she died of grief. Come to think of it, did she even have a daughter? Oh, I'm getting word now that Rip Van Winkle Dream 00001 has just been sold. Well, kick my shins and call me a carpetbagger. Do you recognize this woman, Mr. Van Winkle? Take my hand and I shall guide you to the land of spells and fairies. But don't worry, folks. We got 20. 
20 years worth of dreams to sell you today. How many forests have you torn up for this? Stay tuned to find out. What is happening? On Rip Van Winkle's Deals and Dinkles. Keep on buying, folks, and one day soon, we'll be on our way to sunny California. Or at least, one of us will. Sasparilla. Well, that was, um, that was a real thing that just happened. What an alarming conclusion they came to. I, I don't think I was quite prepared for it. Uh, but yeah, I, what, what, what an amazing piece. I, I hope that if I fell asleep for 20 years, that my family would do something more than try to sell off all of my goods after I woke back up. I really, um, I really hope that's what would happen. And, uh, oh, oh no. Oh god, I've been hacked! I can't see my show notes! How can this have happened? I have Nerd VPN, the best way to protect yourself from threats online. Oh! Oh, someone is typing on my screen. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, Burlington. Oh, thank Kubrick, I'm saved. It's a Chris... regular old miracle. Not specific to the season at all. Saved it. Do you want to play a game? Alright, I may have spoken too soon. I may be saved. I may not be saved. While I deal with this surprise that I've been dealt, perhaps you can all enjoy some surprises that we had planned to present in this newest short from the inimitable Cassandra Rose, The Reveal. Right, here's the case as it stands now. Shortly after Hollins and I arrived for our weekend in the country, Colonel Davenport fell over dead. Beside him were his closest confidants, favorite employees. As such, I believe that the murderer is here, in this room, right now. <gasps> Murder? Here? Impossible! The dead body on the floor seems to indicate otherwise. <gasps> As does the presence of this here Detective Graveling, the finest mind in all the Queen's realm, and me as her assistant. <gasps> Well, that last part wasn't that big of a reveal. We just had dinner together after all. Oh, <gasps> how can you say it was murder? There's no blood, no wound or weapon. For all we know, Colonel Davenport passed on from natural causes. On the contrary, I know for a fact that Colonel Davenport was murdered. After all, he invited me here to determine as much. Oh! Let's start with you, Mrs. Evelyn Davenport. Did you know that your husband was having an affair with Miss Eugenia Marshall, your sister? <gasps> Whatever do you mean? How dare you try and slander my name to hurt my sister? But it's true, ma'am. I saw the two of them together just last night. <gasps> Bergs, why would you gasp with them? You're the one that just revealed what you knew. Oh. Are you insinuating that it was my sister, Mrs. Evelyn Davenport, that killed Colonel Davenport in a fit of jealous rage? Not quite. Eugenia, what were you thinking? I was thinking of you, dear sister. What the dickens is that supposed to mean? It means that the Colonel blackmailed Ms. Marshall into sleeping with him. She did him to protect her. Oh. Ah, well, at least that gasp was motivated by a substantial reveal. 
Uh, so, Miss Marshall killed Colonel Davenport out of revenge. Hold on. Oh, please don't tell me there's more. It's true I wanted to kill Colonel Davenport, but I didn't have the courage to do it. Not even when we were in the throes of wild animalistic passion. Because you see, my dear, sweet Evelyn, the Colonel told me that if I ever betrayed him, he would tell the whole world your secret. You don't mean? Yes, Beverly, the Colonel found out about Chester. <gasps> Chester? You see, my dear Hollands, Mrs. Evelyn Davenport is also Mrs. Mary Thompson. <gasps> The wife of Chester Thompson, the local barber, <gasps> and will soon be the mother of another man's child. <gasps> oh my gosh, at least wait until Detective Graveling has finished her sentence before gasping in disbelief. <gasps> you don't understand what it was like to grow up in a house without love. I married the Colonel at such a young age that I met Chester. Well... The Colonel confronted me yesterday night, shouting that he would rather die than raise my bastard child. And for a moment, I thought I'd take him up on the offer. But I didn't kill him, I couldn't. Mrs. Davenport, Miss Marshall, I would never have thought it possible two such upstanding women could plot so vilely. Oh, give it up, Bergs. We all knew you wanted the Colonel dead as well. <laughs> if you all knew, you're not supposed to gasp in surprise. It's true. It's all horribly true. I first met our master during the war when he was my commanding officer. You're going to launch into a reveal-laden monologue now, aren't you? I remember we were raiding the Jerry Stronghold of everything we could get our hands on. Statues, <gasps> gold bullions, <gasps> paintings. <gasps> Whoever the murderer is, just kill me now. Colonel Davenport pulled us men aside and asked if we had no decency. These trinkets and baubles did not belong to us. They belonged to the people of Germany. And so we let them go. Years later, when I was penniless and destitute, I fought upon the good wisdom of Colonel Davenport. I called upon him to see if he had any work a poor old soldier could do. And the Colonel took me in in turn, and I thought myself so lucky to know such a good man. Only what do I see upon entering his master's study? A stunning painting of the Bavarian countryside. The same painting I wanted to take for myself. <gasps> Thanks to the Colonel, my mother died in a workhouse, penniless and racked with pneumonia. Great, fine, Bergs the butler did it. Now can we please leave? No, I want to kill him, I did. But I couldn't do it. Even after everything he did to us, I still couldn't go through with it. I know, that's why I killed him for you. I'm sorry, what? Look at you all, slack-jawed and amazed. Did it never occur to you why Colonel Davenport invited Hollands and myself out to his estate in the first place? Really? Now you're all silent. Well, I just figured it had something to do with the blackmail. Or his war profiteering. Or his proclivity for young, shapely women. That sounds well yes. right. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. The truth of the matter was, he did not summon me at all. He was just as surprised to see me arrive for dinner as you all were. What use would a blackmailing, philandering, war profiteering slip of a man have with someone whose whole life is dedicated to finding out the truth? But Colonel Davenport said you two were old friends. Indeed we were. From the bar last week. There he spilled every dirty secret he had along with half his drink. He told me about the wife, mistress and butler he all had under his thumb. And the 
vest, part of all, the cattle twittered as he tipped back his glass one last time. None of it could ever be proven. It's just their word against mine. That's when I realized it was time for the Colonel to go. I poured Reginald into a cab, wrote down the address he gave the driver, and promised myself I would come out and visit him the weekend after. This weekend, in fact. Oh, that's not... You couldn't have killed Colonel Davenport. Why not? Because you're Detective Graveling. You're the best murder detective in the country. Yes, and all those murders have taught me how not to get caught. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, rest assured that I've covered my tracks very well. Just as Ms. Marshall said, there is no way to tell from the outside that Colonel Davenport was murdered, and an autopsy will be just as inconclusive. Really, the only way any of us would go to prison over poor Colonel Davenport is if someone tips the police off. I assume none of you will do the latter to me, else I turn round and accuse you of murder in turn. And which of us do you think they'll believe? <gasps> I'm afraid it's too little too late, my friends. Well, what do you all think? Who killed Colonel Davenport? Nobody. It was natural causes. These kinds of things happen sometimes. There's nothing you can do except keep living. I can't let you do this, Detective Graveling. Why not, Hollins? You heard their stories. You know what Colonel Davenport did. He was never going to come to justice on his own. Yes, but death, it's so final. <gasps> what are you proposing then, Hollins? Are you going to turn me in? If I have to. <gasps> You've got a service revolver. Yes, I know. I'm the one who pulled it out. But I can't just let Detective Graveling get away with killing a man. A man? Hollins, my dear. Do you really think this is the only man I've killed? <gasps> stop gasping and help me stop her! Come now, Hollins, you're not going to turn me in. Oh, and how exactly can you be so sure about that? Because you love me. <gasps> you do? He does. You're not helping! What? You thought I was oblivious. All these years we've been together. I thought you would have done something with that revelation if you did know it. Not until necessary. <gasps> Damn, Mr. Orange. That's cold. Perhaps we should continue this private conversation elsewhere. Not until you make your decision. So, are you going to call the coroner? Or are you going to shoot me? There's a good sport. Predictable. Until the end. Hello, yes. Coroner, please. I'm afraid someone has died. And it's Detective Graveling! Good shot, Mr. Hollins. Gasp one more time! I dare you! Welcome back, everyone. While you were away, I've managed to negotiate with the person on the other end of the screen, and while they've agreed to let me go on the show, uh, go on with the show, if only I will answer a few riddles. Now, I can't think of anything I'd rather do, especially since it will help me avoid saying anything about the... things. You know, the things that make us bring trees inside and light candles even when we're out of practice for keeping an eye on fire hazards. So, 
Here is the first riddle that they've posed for me. <clears throat> it's not a good topic for ballet. The dancers would still stand and sway. They could all wear green. It would be quite the scene. We should all celebrate... Blank. Hmm. All I can think of is, um... The occasion of April 29th next year, which, thanks to Julius Sterling Morton and the state of Nebraska, is celebrated all over these United States. But it can't be that, because I'm not allowed to talk about the holidays. What do you think, friends at home? What's the end of the rhyme? Save me. Save the show. Let me know that you're out there. Answer in the comments what rhymes with ballet and sway and ends that rhyme. And while you solve that mystery, I've got another one for you in The Invisible Detective. It's late in the day here in the city of heavy coats. The air smells wet and the light coming through the blinds is starting to change from golden yellow to blood red. It's the perfect sunset for a dead man like me. I don't know why I'm still loitering around here on Earth, but I've heard the bouncer for this place is a real goon. So, I should probably make myself scarce before something unfortunate happens to me. That's my mystery. How do I move on? And why am I here? In some ways, it's not that different from living, all told. Tortured by the uncertainty of purpose in an unexplained and inexplicable world. Of course, now I don't have bodily functions or a mortgage. So... Maybe things aren't so dire after all. What can the enforcers of a nebulous god have on bankers? Still, what business might I have left unfinished? Who was I in life? Why do I have a magnifying glass? These are the questions, but this is a big city. You can buy a pancake at 3 a.m., but answers, those are harder to come by. So, I'm taking advantage of my newfound abilities to become a private eye. From now on, I am the Invisible Detective. It all starts when she walks into my office. Well, the office I'm haunting. I'm in no state to be seen, so she can't be here to see me. There doesn't seem to be anyone else around. Already a mystery. Why? I said, hoping for a clue as to what might have brought her here. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Clearly, I have an effect on people. Damn it, Izzy, if you're not dancing with the angels, I swear I'll buy you a ticket to that ballroom myself. Pull yourself together, Alice. There ain't no way nobody's in this office but you. Izzy didn't just go around handing out keys. Our mystery woman is Alice. From the sound of her voice, she's a woman from the other side of town, and from the rumpled look of her dress and the sleep-deprived twitch in her eye, from yesterday's calendar page as well. She pours herself a cup of coffee from a cold pot sitting by the window. Better cold than nothing. All right, Izzy. Now where did you put that notebook? The case of the missing notebook. Should be open and shut, and an easy first victory against the evil unknown. There's a one-drawer filing cabinet in the corner of the office disguised as an end table. If the missing notebook is anywhere, I'll bet my ectoplasm it's there. Now, to take a look. Oh. What? Of course. Oh no. She's coming right at me. I'm trapped in the corner. 
She's got an intent look in her eye and a shake in her legs. What could she want from me? And what is she willing to do to get it? Alice. Alice, this is madness. You can't hurt me. I'm already dead. I just got a chill. I gotta find that notebook and get out of here. She passed right through me, like a Studebaker through a dense fog. I'm okay. Now the filing cabinet is open. Another victory for the invisible detective. But what will I find inside? Aha! Uh -huh. There it is. Izzy, as bad as you were at predicting what other people would do, it was never hard to get a read on you. Uh... Case closed. Not bad for the first five minutes on the job. I could tell that Alice too had something more that she needed from this room before she'd be able to rest herself. Based on the sound of shoes in the hall, it seems rest is not on the agenda for either of us today. Somebody's coming. Hello? Ah! Ah, who's there? I got a gun here in my pocket and I ain't afraid to turn nobody into Swiss cheese right here. Right back at ya. I ain't perforated nobody like a county fair admission ticket in days. So you just try me. Only if you want your next drink to make you look like the Rockefeller fountain. You're gonna have more holes than a golf course if you don't tell me who you are. You first, unless you want to go out with lots of places to keep pencils. Two people face off in the middle of a comfortable office. Light from the street slants into the room and shines off an ornamental glass eye on the desk between them. Locked into a standoff, certain to add another restless spirit towards this room's quota. I can't just float here. Josephine, who was that? Don't look at me. I got no idea what it is, but it keeps happening. Look, how's about we put our guns down and talk this out like reasonable people? I'm amenable. You first. Easy enough. I'm just poking my finger into the lining of my pocket. I ain't got a gun at all. For real? I almost shot you! You had me so excitable! Jeez! So, what are you doing here? Well, I got a pretty bad case on my hands. And it was somebody Izzy was helping out before, uh, before he... Took his final trip. Yeah. A case, eh? I'm starting to think that the former inhabitant of this office was none other than myself. The best phantasmal detective in this city. Why? It all makes sense. That's why I knew about the filing cabinet. It's not exactly flooding back to me, though. I'll have to keep working on it. More importantly, what's the case I left behind? Will Alice and this new stranger be able to pick up the pieces? I'm Ernie, by the way. Ernie? Will Alice and Ernie be able to pick up the pieces? Who's the case? She knows all the questions to ask for this mug. He better not ask too many questions himself. It's the mayor. The mayor? I had no idea Izzy was getting so high profile. Yeah, it's a big one, too. It's getting so as the mayor can't see his own hands in front of his face. A fog of corruption. It's a real fog of corruption. That's what I said. Well, cataracts, but you know what I the mean. The files are over there. Get what you need and I'll pretend I never saw you. The ones you need are labeled with the patient's name and file number. I know. We eye doctors all use the same system these days. Eye doctor? It's real good of you, taking a client from Isidore. Ah. We private eye care professionals got a code, you know. Oh, private eye doctor. It's a real pity to see Isidore find a place in St. Barbara's churchyard so early. Do you know what happened? No. Well, it was lovely meeting Who you. was Alice and to yourself. me? What could I have had in life? Wait, but why does she have a gun? What was in that notebook she wanted? Ernie! I need you to ask more questions! Ernie! 
That's fucking creepy, but at least the sucker is gone. Why are you putting the notebook in that trash can? All right, Izzy. Here it is, the blaze of glory for your great life's work. Not sure why this was so important to you. Now no one will ever know about the private investigator novel you were drafting. Rest in peace, buddy. Who knew your last trip to the office would turn out to be a one-way ride? I think you'd have been a pretty good investigator, given the chance. I guess this is the end of the story of the invisible detective. For what it's worth, I'd have tuned in next week. Funny, but darker than I expected. Uh, well, on the topic, I'm still hacked, and they're only giving me one piece of show notes at a time, which, granted, is all I ever read, but still, it's the principle of the thing. So, what did you all come up with to help me finish the rhyme? It's got a rhyme with ballet and sway. I see we've got bidet. Something I'm not allowed to say. And days in May. Hmm. No, none of those sound... I'm going to put radioactive decay. Oh, oh, it looks like I got it right. Ha <laughs> ha. Ah, radioactive decay. It's not a good topic for ballet. That's true. The dancers would still st uh, stand still and sway. Sure. They could all wear green. It would be quite the scene. We should all celebrate radioactive decay. We're keeping it dark here tonight. All right. Uh, oh, I've got a new one. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, you can all start the day as a feaster and tell all your thoughts to a priester. Don't be disappointed if it all seems disjointed. You'll all get to sit on this... Yeah, I'm starting to think that one might be about a holiday. Please, don't be about a holiday. Is it worse to give in to a hacker or my producer? Questions for the ages. Well, reassure me that an audience that responds to prompting is more than just an old showbiz myth and tell me what rhymes with feaster and priester in the comments. And next up, we have a brand new episode from a, a modern fairy tale, a new fairy tale come to life, because this one is about a little wooden boy who just knows that the path to being a real boy is paved by finding the right career. It's Samuel Spruce and the Frosty Wood. Once, and only once upon a time, in the deep and mysterious frosty wood. 
A little boy was lost in the frosty wood. A little wooden boy, searching for something he himself had lost. A pilgrim lost in the snow, with sunset approaching. Now some folk will tell you that when you're searching for something lost, lost is the best place to be in order to find it. Of course, even if that's true, who's gonna find you? Sorry, what was that? Hello? Must have been my imagination. <sighs> Jiminy! Here, doggy! Jiminy! Hey, watch it, pal! What? Sorry! I said watch it, Bigfoot! You almost stepped on me! Oh, I'm terribly sorry, little bumblebee. I hadn't expected to find you out here in such a snowy forest. Ah, of course you didn't. Most bees are holed up for the winter, but not me. I'm out here working that hustle, harvesting them flowers. Oh my! A forget-me-not. How beautiful. I don't care about no beauty. It's all stuff full of nectar. That's what I care about. I see. I'm surprised there are any flowers out here at all. It's quite cold. The greater the risk, the greater the reward, kid. That's a little lesson from me to you. Uh, what are you doing out here anyway? Oh, yes. My name is Samuel Spruce, the little wooden boy. I'm a dog walker, I am. Milty the Bee, that's me. And what's a dog walker? Oh, you see, many people keep dogs as pets, but they're just so busy. They haven't time to take the dogs on walks to exercise them and play with them, you see. Really? That's right. So they hire me to do it for them. It's wonderful. Why even have the dogs, then? I'm afraid I don't know. I suppose they just like to have them. Wow. These people sound great. I thought I was busy, but imagine being so busy you can't even enjoy what you have. Brilliant! I suppose so. Now don't get me wrong, kid. You're pretty good, too. Out here in the snow, walking dogs. You're all right. Oh, thank you. Wait a minute. If you're a dog walker, where's the dog? Yes, well, you see, I was just finishing up taking the last dog home, and they managed to slip away and run off into the frosty wood, so I've come in search of them. Jiminy is their name. Cute name. I thought so too. Dog's probably dead by now if you ask me. It's awful cold out here, you know. Oh. <coughs> but hey, if this job doesn't work out, you can always go find another one, right? I suppose so. Though truth be told, I am a little weary of sleeping under the old overpass. I long to have a roof over my head. A little space heater, maybe. Perhaps even a mattress to sleep upon. Ah, oh, yeah, it's great, kid. Let me tell you, I sleep in a hive with 50,000 other bees, and you want to talk about space heaters? Boy, howdy, it's the greatest. That does sound nice. I remember when the rats used to keep me warm, back when I slept under the dumpster. I wonder how they're doing these days. Probably dead, am I right? It's cold out here, in case you haven't noticed. <coughs> oh, I say... Oughtn't you to be in your hive, with your queen and all your friends staying warm? They're not my friends. They're the competition. Oh. Yeah, I'm out here on my grind so as I can get that promotion. Promotion? That's right. The queen bee's got to retire someday, and once she's out, it's old Milty's turn to take the throne. Do queen bees retire? Well, they better, or else it's time I started shopping around for another hive. Oh? Yeah, this is my third hive so far. It's called the Free Market. Oh, I've heard of that. That's how I became a dog walker. 
I just kept searching and finding different jobs until I happened upon this one. Yeah, there you go. And now here you are searching for a dog. That's called leveraging your skills, kid. Good job. Thank you so much. I must say I'm not accustomed to this much positive reinforcement. Sounds like you're living around moochers and do-nothings then. Maybe. Uh, but not me. Not us. We're workers, Sam. You and me. Nectar of the gods. That's a bee expression, kid. It means salt of the earth. Oh. I see. That's why I'm out here on my grind. While they're all in there staying fat and warm like a bunch of lazy suckers. <coughs> Come spring, I'll be the prime earner in the whole hive, and they'll have to make me queen. Perhaps. Or else I'll just find another hive that appreciates my go-getter attitude. Yes, but if there's only one queen and tens of thousands of other bees all competing... But I'm the only one out here in the cold. Think, kid, think. <coughs> Thousands and thousands of bees, and none of them ever thought to stay out here in the cold. At least none that I ever heard of. I suppose that's true. They'll have to promote me. It just makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. It's the only rational choice. It is the only rational choice. And if I just stay out here and keep looking, then sooner or later, Jiminy will choose to return to me. Yeah! Wait, what? No, don't be stupid. Pardon? It's not the dog. The dog's the nectar. The dog's nothing. Nothing? It's your employers. If you stay out here long enough, working hard enough, they'll promote you. To what? The dog doesn't matter. It's probably dead by now anyway. That's awful. What? I only mean it would be awful if Jiminy were dead. Well, that's the dog's fault, isn't it? Shouldn't be running around out here in the cold, should it? <coughs> I suppose not. It seems to me, though, that... If Jiminy runs off, their owners might not be terribly keen to promote me, whatever that might mean, no matter how hard I work. Well, and they're stupid, too. This is how the system rationally works. And I can't help wondering if worker bees really do become queen bees through rational promotion. Don't question me, kid. Bee economics is a very deep and complex system, and I don't need some ignorant young whippet interrogating me while I'm out here getting that bread. Or nectar, in this case. I'm terribly sorry to offend. I suppose I'm just a little worried for you, it being so cold here, and all the other bees being warm and fed and comfortable. And don't cry for me, whippersnapper. I'm thriving. Thriving! <coughs> here, why don't you take this flower with you? It's all tapped out. Oh, I'd love to take such a beautiful forget-me-not with me, but oughtn't you leave it here? I'm sure it shall have more nectar later on. I don't need your charity, kid. I'm thriving. Look how thriving I am. <coughs> Take it. I insist. Oh, uh, well, if you insist. Oh, it smells lovely. I wonder if the scent of this flower might draw Jiminy back to me. Dogs have a remarkable sense of smell, you know. Yeah, I don't care. I'm too busy succeeding in life. <coughs> I'll see you later, kid. Say, I think I saw some paw prints up north that away. Uh, give it a go if you like. My gift to you. Really? That's wonderful. Thank you. Just be careful you don't run into Growl. He'll tear you apart. Hey, kid, did you hear me? Ah, well, he'll figure it out when Growl tears him apart. <coughs> I am so smart and everyone else is a sucker. Poor little Pilgrim didn't hear Milty the Bee's warning. Watch out for Growl. Instead, he plowed on deeper into the frosty wood in search of his missing dog. 
Jiminy! Here, doggy! Jiminy! Oh, I do wish I had a coating of fur to guard me from the chill. Then again, perhaps Jiminy wishes they had an actual coat. I say, the paw prints lead straight to this tree, then they simply vanish. Hello! Hello up there! Jiminy, can you climb trees? Get lost! Oh? We don't want any! Any what? I already donated! I'm terribly sorry. I think you may have me confused for someone else. And you got me confused for somebody else. I'm Ludwig the Squirrel, and I don't know who this Jiminy character is, but if they're in my tree, then I hope they enjoy some incisor to the face. Oh my. Uh, forgive me, I'm just searching for my dog, Jiminy. I followed some tracks to this tree, but then they simply vanished. I thought... Yeah, well, there's nobody up here but me, just how I like it. Say... Since you're here, see that acorn over there? Toss it up here, why don't you? Oh, certainly, Mr. Ludwig. Thanks. Yeah. You're all right, kid. Why don't you sit a spell? I ain't had anybody to talk to in ages. Oh, I would love to, but I'm afraid I'm searching for my dog, Jiminy. Have you any idea why these paw prints would suddenly disappear like this? Eh, it was probably Growl. Growl? Growl, the wolf. He sleeps in a hollowed-out tree somewhere around here, sometimes. He's really good at covering up his tracks after he kills somebody. Oh, dear. Yeah, if your dog got loose around Growl, then it's not looking too good. Oh. But hey, look on the up and up, kid. Growl's pretty full around now, I'll bet. Maybe he'll just let your dog off with a vicious mauling. Oh, my. At least they're not a squirrel. Bad time to be a squirrel, I don't mind telling you. Oh, I'm sorry. I hadn't considered that. Oh, I'm fine. Don't you worry. I got all the acorns I could possibly want, so I'm not going anywhere. Spent all summer and autumn saving them up. Every last one in the whole forest. All of them? Don't the other squirrels save up acorns as well? <laughs> they did. But let's just say I found a way to corner the old market. Work smart, not hard. That's some free advice, kid. Yes, that does make sense. Ah, this is nice. I ain't had nobody to share my wisdom with in a while. It's important to hear your words reflected back at you every so often. That's some more free advice, kid. Oh, I do like that, Mr. Ludwig. I've often felt... Ah, I was the best, kid. If there was an acorn, I grabbed it, and damn the consequences. I could outrace, outwrestle, and sometimes outsteal any other squirrel in the frosty wood. Outsteal? Oh, Ludwig, they'd cry. Please share some of your acorns with us. Or we'll starve come the winter. I must say, that sounds like a reasonable request to me. Of course it does to you, kid. You're a dope. No offense. Oh, none... I mean, here you are running around on the forest floor like a jackass, just begging for Growl to come tear you to pieces. I didn't know... Exactly. Growl might be full, but don't think he won't tear you apart if you look at him funny. You even got anybody helping you look for the dog? Well, no, they just sort of ran off, and I just sort of ran after them. I'm afraid there wasn't much time for planning. Exactly. Smart, not hard, kid. Would you consider helping me look, Mr. Ludwig? Ha! Nice try. Nothing's gonna make me leave this tree. Oh, I see. You gotta learn to tell your resources from your competition, kid. Oh, yes, I remember. Not my friends, my competition. Yeah, exactly. Those so-called reasonable squirrels you were so in love with, once the weather started getting cold, they tried to steal some of my acorns. Competition. But 
didn't you say you stole some of their- They were nothing but dirty little thieves, as I always suspected, so I did what any respectable citizen would do. I just told Growl the Wolf where all their nests were. Oh no! So whenever they tried to leave their homes and steal my stuff, they were in for a rude awakening. That's what you get for being a thief. That's horrible. I know, right? Here I am, an enterprising wunderkind of a squirrel, revolutionizing the acorn accumulation game, shifting the paradigms of socioeconomic interaction. And these little bastards are threatening to steal some of my property. Threatening? I thought you said they did try to- Honestly, fuck them, am I right? Life is a competition and it looks like I'm the fittest. Now I get to wait out the whole winter on my throne of acorns. Then come spring, it's time to make some babies and enjoy my early retirement. But, Ludwig, sir, how are you going to make babies if all the other squirrels are dead? Oh, well, I'm sure I'll find one somewhere. And aren't you worried Growl the Wolf might eat you while you're looking for another squirrel? Nah, kid, don't be stupid. Growl and me are friends. He's been eating all winter thanks to me. And are you sure you're friends, Mr. Ludwig, and not competition? Dad, don't, don't hassle me, kid. Squirrel economics is a deep and complex system, and I don't need some naive doofus of a dipshit trying to teach me how it all works. Oh. So get lost already, and if you do see any squirrels out there, make sure you tell them I got all the acorns so I win. I'm not sure they'll be terribly keen to make babies with you if I tell them that, sir. I'm the best, kid, and everyone wants to be friends with the best. Now get out of here. You said you were looking for your dog, right? I think I saw some paw prints over there to the west. Thank you, sir. Why don't you take that stick there with you? Dogs like sticks, right? Good idea, sir. Thank you, sir. Alright, have a happy winter. I know I will. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And remember, if you see any other squirrels, tell them I win. I got all the nuts, baby. I win. <laughs> Cold out there. I win. The wind was starting to pick up, and the sun was dipping dangerously low. As the little pilgrim followed the tracks, his flower in one hand and his stick in the other. Jiminy! Jiminy! Are you there? It's going to get terribly cold after the sunset. These trees are getting awfully frightful looking. Perhaps Milty and Ludwig are right. Perhaps Jiminy is... No! No! I have to believe that Jiminy is still out here. And after all, I have an obligation to my employers. Yes, that's right. I shan't stop until I've found Jiminy. These tracks have to lead somewhere after all. Eventually. The trees moaned in the baleful wind, and the chill bit deep into the little wooden boy. Time dragged on, and so did our pilgrim, until he came at last to a hollowed-out tree. A tree with a wolf inside. Until he came to me. Yes, sir. That's how I got here. And I take it you must be Mr. Growl. I fear your reputation has preceded you, sir. Careful, boy. One wrong move, and I'll tear you apart. Absolutely, sir. I don't mean to bother you. I was only wondering if you had seen my dog. 
Jiminy. Dogs don't interest me, Pilgrim. But have you seen any dogs today? Dogs used to be wolves, you know. Strong, independent, wild. Then over time, they became domesticated, weak, and obedient. No, dogs don't interest me, Pilgrim. Yes, sir, you've been very clear about that, but I wonder if, as a favor to me, you might tell me whether you've seen Jiminy at all today. Didn't you learn anything from your friends, the bee and the squirrel? You can't be out here chasing somebody else's dog all day, Pilgrim. Soon it'll be night. Soon I'll be ready to hunt. And here you are, walking straight into my den. I'm only made of wood, Mr. Growl. You're not only wood, boy. You're also in my way. Here's another lesson for you. A wolf's economics is very simple. I think I understand it already, Mr. Growl. I thought you might. A bee's economics would tell me to just keep asking. Well, Mr. Growl, it seems you can't help me, so I shall be on my way. What's your hurry? No hurry at all, sir, but if dogs don't interest you... Wait! Not that way. Not this way, sir. Why not? Because I said so. I wonder if there's a dog this way, sir. Maybe there is a dog that way. And maybe I'm hungry. Surely there must be other things to eat, sir. Oh? Can you offer me something else? Someone else? Well, I suppose that would be good squirrel economics. But no, sir, I can't. And I... I can't let you hurt Jiminy either. Why not? Dogs are worthless, weak and obedient. Jiminy ran off on their own today, sir, and no matter how many times I call, they won't come back. That doesn't sound weak or obedient to me. I don't like to be contradicted, Pilgrim. Begging your pardon, Mr. Growl, but no one in this forest seems to like being contradicted. No one in this forest seems to spend much time thinking about anyone else but themselves. And to be terribly frank, sir, you don't seem all that different from anyone else. Brave words. You think that flower and that stick are going to protect you? I don't know about protection, sir. All I know is it's my duty to find Jiminy and... And I want to find them. I like them. It's nightfall now. Time for your last lesson. I don't believe you have anything to teach me, sir. What did you say, Pilgrim? I don't think anyone in this forest knows anything about anything, and that includes you! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm terribly sorry! I don't know what came over me! (laughs) You hit me! I'm sorry, sir, when you came lunging at me with your fangs. I fear I just reacted without thinking. How could you do that? You almost scratched my eye. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've never hit anyone before. And I've never been hit before. Ow. Ow, 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 ow. Is that another wolf or is it? Jiminy! Jiminy! Here, doggy! Jiminy! 
bag. There you are. <laughs> oh, Jiminy, I feared I'd lost you. Oh, do you like the flower? I do too. Don't ignore me. You hit me with a stick, you jerk. Come along, Jiminy. Let's get out of this terrible forest before it gets too dark. <laughs> I'm gonna eat you so bad, you don't even know. <laughs> Whatever did you run off, Jiminy? <laughs> You're not at all like the other animals in this forest, Jiminy. But between you and me, I think that's all for the best. <laughs> I've never been terribly sharp, Jiminy, but everyone in this forest has awfully strange ideas about how we ought to behave. Hey, kid! That you? You see any acorns over there? Hey, kid! Kid! I've had so many jobs, Jiminy, but I think this one is my favorite. It may not pay enough for an apartment, or a bed, or even a filthy pillow to shove in the corner of my cardboard box, but I do so love your company and the company of the other dogs. Quitting time already, huh, kid? I thought you was a good one like me. Too bad. <coughs> I fear we shall be getting you home quite late, but... I find myself hoping that just this once, perhaps, I shan't be fired. I wonder what opportunities tomorrow will bring. even mad that those woods weren't lovely dark and deep i just i guess that's not the kind of frosty they meant but still a snowy night what a dream for the hey let's get back to that game we're all doing <clears throat> what did you all have for the last one to rhyme with feaster and priester which i'm fairly certain isn't a word i heard uh, I, I saw barista which i love a slant rhyme and Keister. Everyone seems to have agreed it's Keister. So, all right, here we go. Keister. Ah, it worked! Ah, I got the rest of my show notes back! It's just like I've always said. It's, de it's better to be hacked than be a hack. Take that, Basil Rathbone. Now, let's just take a look at these show notes and, uh... Oh, no! This is the last piece of the night, everyone. There's only one short left before we go not softly into that good night. I'll be so sad to leave you all so soon after you saved me. But I'm sure. I'm sure this is a good one. I'm sure we're leaving on a high note. Let's see what is... Oh, what? I spent a full hour avoiding talking about the holidays, and now there's a show about elves? This had better be another one about the kind of elves that live in New Zealand, or so help me DeMille, please! All of you at home, mindfully enjoy me, my elf, and I. Good evening. It's Friday, December 3, and you're listening to me, my elf, and I. I'm Crumble Bumbledum. Joining us tonight are frequent contributors Simon Sillypants, assistant to the press secretary for Mr. Santa Claus. Always good to be here. And perennial guest Twinkle Sprinkle McBinkle, president of the North Pole chapter of the Elfin and Gnomish Laborers Union. Crumble? 
We are also joined by special first-time guest, Miss Ziggy Wigglypoo, Director of Marketing at Joy McCoy's Toys Ahoy. An absolute pleasure, Crumble. Thank you for joining us, Ziggy. And let me jump right in. Less than 24 hours ago, Mr. Claus held his first press conference in six months to announce what he called a critical elf shortage. Oh, here we go. Predicting that if employment numbers fail to rise in the next two weeks, Christmas itself may be canceled. Crumble, this was entirely predictable. Toy industry magnates and centrist thought leaders have spent years calling the Santa-sponsored labor industry a lumbering dinosaur, antiquated and inefficient. And we can see that playing out now in real time. Luckily, the private sector is here to fill in the gaps. Crumble, as always, Mr. Claw's statements have been taken out of context and greatly exaggerated. He never referred to the elf shortage as critical. Well, we do have a transcript of Mr. Claus's statement right here. Oh, and who provided that transcript? Well, you did, Mr. Sillypants. Yes. Well, technically. Y if you want to split hairs. Crumble, what we're seeing is not an elf shortage. What we're seeing is a living wage shortage. A basic safety measures shortage. A dignity shortage. Many elves have been permanently disabled over the last two years, and others are buried under mountains of medical debt they'll never get out of. Oh, this routine again. Uh, to be fair, Mr. Sillypants, uh, we are close to entering the third year of the North Pole-wide rabies epidemic, uh, which began in February of 2019, when the Abominable Snowman began his murderous rampage across the land. The Abominable Snowman has been dead for over a year now. Santa killed it himself. No, he didn't! And yet, still, elves are refusing by the thousands to get out of their homes and get back to work. They are out of excuses and they are out of time. Because they don't want to die of rabies! Crumble, this is a non-issue. I am vaccinated against rabies. You are vaccinated against rabies. Everyone who wants to be vaccinated is vaccinated and therefore free to re-enter the workforce at any time. But almost half the elvish population is still refusing to get vaccinated. Well, that's their individual decision, Twinkle. Every North Pole citizen has the right before Christmas to refuse vaccination. But they're only refusing because of why spread misinformation campaigns started by abominable snowman supporters and perpetuated by wealthy interests like Joy McCoy's Toys Ahoy! Excuse me, Miss Sprinkle McFinkle, but Joy McCoy's Toys Ahoy is an entirely apolitical entity that seeks only to provide privatized toys to privatized girls and boys. And should they prove sufficiently profitable, privatized children existing outside the gender binary. But Joy McCoy herself supplied funding to over a dozen conspiracy theorists, immensely boosting their reach and effectiveness. Joy McCoy is a private citizen. But her actions affect millions of other people. Now talk about conspiracy theories. Why would Joy McCoy want to dissuade people from getting vaccinated in the middle of a labor shortage? Which I want to remind everyone is not critical. A trenchant observation, Mr. Silly Pants. Thank you. So her subsidiary companies can sell snake oil cures like sugar water and reindeer laxatives. Frosty's feel-good farm 
Pharmaceuticals concerned, a recently acquired subsidiary of Joyce McCoy's Toys Ahoy is actually selling cyanide capsules as a miracle cure, calling it Rabigon. Excuse me again, Miss Sprinkle McFinkle, but partakers of Rabigon displayed a 100% decrease in rabies symptoms across the board. Because they all died! But did the rabies symptoms persist? with me. I think we're getting a little off topic here. This is entirely on topic, Crumble. There is a shortage of elfish workers because of the epidemic, because work no longer provides the necessities of life, because their government is doing as little as possible, and their own employers are lying to them for profit. Miss Sprinkle McBinkle, this is not the first time that I've had to ask you to moderate your tone. People are dying, Crumble! That may well be, but it's no excuse for shouting. I must again remind you that a certain level of decorum is expected here on the Sparkle Fun Time Network. Sparkle McCoy Network. Pardon? The Sparkle McCoy Network. It was purchased by Joy McCoy earlier today. Oh. I see. Crumble, Santa's utter inability to function during minor fluctuations in the economy... Minor? ...demonstrate the fundamental invalidity of the welfare Santa system. Joy McCoy's Toys Ahoy and other private entities just like it are hiring now. Of course they are. Joy McCoy's investment portfolio grew three sizes this year, while the elves that create her wealth can't even afford basic necessities, like candy canes and those little bells we put on the end of our shoes. Many elves can't even afford to rent homes anymore. They're living in little gingerbread vans that fall apart when they get wet. Santa-sponsored employment is the only means of income with some semblance of accountability to the public. Excuse me, but Mr. Claus and private entities like Joy McCoy are not adversarial. Mr. Claus is not anti-business. We want to be very clear on that. Don't worry, we know. Santa's cabinet is staffed entirely by corporate interests that are starving the Santa-run sector so they can destroy even the veneer of public accountability. We all know that a Santa-run economy is simply too susceptible to corruption. The system has become bloated like a bowl full of bureaucracy. An economy guided by private interests could eliminate this corruption. Who's corrupting them, Ziggy? Fucking Rudolph! Ms. Sprinkle McBinkle, that sort of language... If we allow Santa and the owning class to have de facto ownership of the means of production, which we already do, then it's their moral obligation to see that the rest of us can survive! Now here comes the free milk and cookies train again. Please think for a moment, Miss Sprinkle McBinkle. If everyone were simply allowed to be alive, then how would the toys get made? Then you're admitting that this system functions on the coercion of its citizens. And what other alternative is there? The Elfin and Gnomish Laborers Union and our sister organization, the Reindeer Liberation Front, have been starting worker communes and public farming co-ops across the North Pole with resounding success. Most people are happy to contribute to the public good without coercion when they have the time and resources to do so. Well, that may be, but I think you're ignoring the fact that commies are for Grinches and humbugs. I have read that, yes. Excellent point, Ms. Wigglypoo. My point is, the jobs are out there, the vaccines are out there, and if elves are not interested in returning to work, then there are plenty of Siphonese children willing to do it instead. This 
industry thrives on the consumption of the worker. They're eating us alive! Crumble, I think this is starting to get a little ridiculous. Although that does remind me, I'd like to take this opportunity to announce Joy McCoy's Toys Ahoy's latest venture, Soylent Elf, a delicious new Christmas treat hitting shelves tomorrow morning. The what? How did Joy McCoy manage to get Soylent Elf off the ground in this economic climate? Aren't there rumors of an impending workers' strike? The strike was resolved. When? Very recently. I have no further questions. This has got to be a joke. Well, our time is nearly up. In the interest of being fair and objective and merry and bright, we will allow one final statement from each of our guests. You know what she just said, right? Sorry, I'm just now being told by my new manager, Mr. Jason McCoy III, that no, we will be hearing from each of our guests except Ms. Twinkle Sprinkle McPinkle. That seems reasonable. Very fair and balanced. This is bullshit! Crumble, all I have to say is... Is she all right? Sorry, I'm now being told by my new manager, Mr. Jason McCoy III, that no, we will be hearing only from Ms. Ziggy Wigglypoo. Ah. Uh, Ms. Wigglypoo, your closing statement on the labor shortage? By Soylent Elf. That's it? All right, uh, you heard it here first, folks. By Soylent Elf. I'd like to thank my guests, Simon Slit. Sorry, I'm now being told I only want to thank Ms. Ziggy Wigglypoo. Please join us next time when my guest will be Figgy Pootypins, Chief Financial Officer of Joy McCoy's Toys Ahoy. This has been me, my elf, and I. You know, I wanted to be mad. I even was mad for a short moment there, but honestly, that piece was delightful. What a perfect end to a show in which we willfully ignored the reason for my electric bill growing three sizes in one day. So friends, on a pleasant note, and with joy for all of you, we want to thank you for attending tonight. Special thanks, of course, to our Patreon backers who have kept us going all year long, and a special welcome to those of you joining us for the first time tonight, and to those of you returning after a long hiatus. We hope to see you again in the new year when we'll be kicking off the season, our sixth season, in style. Until then, from all of us to all of you, from coast to coast and all the ships at sea, good night of whatever seasonal specialness you may be about to celebrate. And that goes for everyone listening to the podcast release on National Chocolate-Covered Raisins Day, too. Good night, keep laughing, and keep dreaming. for joining us for Starlight Radio Dreams, the nothing to do with the holidays show. Written, directed, and performed by Kat Evans, Jared McDerris, and Ansel Birch, with special guest writer Cassandra Rose, featuring the vocal talents of Ariel Leverett. The Starlight Radio Dreams theme was written and performed by Arnie Parrott. Special thanks to Sure Incorporated for their generous support. Keep laughing and keep dreaming. <laughs> <laughs>